All right, so we are no longer in the book of Revelation. Yeah. Wrong answer, right answer. <laughs> uh, so today is the first Sunday of Advent, this Christian season, these four weeks leading up to Christmas. And during this time, as we look forward to Christmas, we reflect on, on waiting and on expectation and on what's coming. And so appropriately today, we have this text from Jeremiah. He's a prophet from the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament. And so at the time that this passage is set, you've got the giant empire of Babylon. Now, the real Babylon, not a fake name for Rome. That, this is like 600 years before that. Uh, so the real Babylonian empire has camped out outside the capital, Jerusalem, and that is laying siege to the city and trying to starve the people out and defeat them. And so the people inside the city, understandably, are freaked out. They're like, we're going to die, either by starvation or they're going to come kill us. We are going to die. But on the other hand, there's another faction within the city who's not like that. They're like, no, we're good. We're good because we're the chosen people of the God of Israel. And so Jerusalem is basically invincible. God is on our side. We cannot lose this war. And our hero, the prophet Jeremiah, does not like this last line of thought one bit, like, at all. Because basically, so other than the, uh, the couple of chapters where this passage we read today is located, other than that, the entire rest of the book of Jeremiah is all talking about how you guys are going down. You guys are going to be destroyed. Yeah, you think that God's on your side, but with the way that you've been acting, the way you've been exploiting people, oppressing people, faithless to God. And, and so God is not on your side because of the evil that you've done. Don't think that God's going to come in and protect you and you're going to magically be invincible or anything. You guys are going to be destroyed in this attack by the Babylonian Empire. And so that's basically what Jeremiah is for like the bulk of the book. I mean, this book is like 50 chapters long and some, I don't know, 90% of this book is like this type of screed, right? It's just laying into the people of Jerusalem and specifically those running the city, meaning the elites, and then alternating that harsh criticism with lamenting and mourning that the city would have, would have fallen into a state like this would have degenerated so much. And so really, this book is almost entirely about politics and about how we think about God's involvement in politics. And so the bulk of this book is a political, theological uh, tirade slash lament, taking the social elites to task. But this section we read today breaks this whole thing up. Breaks all this up. Because mixed in the middle of his railing against the state and its leadership, after reminding them over and over how idolatrous and exploitative they've been, you're going to be destroyed. God's not going to magically protect you from this empire that's right outside your gates. After like 30 chapters of this stuff, Jeremiah abruptly changes his tone, which we see today. Because see, this book was not written at the time of the siege, it was written down later in retrospect. And what happened right after the siege of 
of Jerusalem, but the Babylonian Empire rounded up all the elites and the artisans and the royalty, basically in their minds, anybody worth the effort, and hauled them off as prisoners of war into exile hundreds and hundreds of miles away from their own land, never to return to their beloved homeland. And see, our prophet Jeremiah was writing down all this at the time, at some point after they were hauled off into exile. And so his audience's perspective has shifted, has it not? Because, right, they used to be cocky, arrogant, you know, we're the best thing ever, God's on our side, we're never going to lose, right? But now they've shifted to deep despair. They've been proven wrong. They got sucker punched in the stomach, right? Just got the air knocked out of them and they're reeling, their world's turned upside down. And so now they're not cocky, arrogant, proud, they're worlds are unmoored and they're wailing in despair and God has abandoned them and they're all going to die in this country. And in the midst of that despair, Jeremiah shows us the other side of the coin. Yes, you're going to be punished for the evil that you've, of how evil you've become. But that's not the end of the story. Right? God has not deserted you. Even, even when displaced as prisoners in a foreign land, God's not abandoning you. God will bring you back and will restore how things should be to the peace and secure, stable society that God promised you. And God will bring you back. And out of King David's lineage, one of his descendants will always be on the throne, which is restoration, is it not? Because... There's no way that the Babylonian Empire, when they come and take over, are they going to let there be a legit king actually there, right? And so, but Jeremiah promises, when things are restored, you will have a real king back. And from the bloodline of David, nonetheless, the cream of the crop, right? The, the, the best stock. And, and for these exiles, it's not just about, oh, yeah, you're going to get a particular system of government back, right? You're going to get a monarchy back. Woo-hoo, right? It's not about that. It's about, for them, your society is going to get back on its feet after being devastated. And so, for example, we also see the priesthood that, of the temple that Babylon destroyed. That priesthood will start running again. We're getting, back, we're getting to go back to that mythical age, that mythical golden era where everything was right with the world, right? And our society that's in shambles, it's going to be restored. This devastation that you feel right now is not the end of the story. So in this passage, Jeremiah no longer needs to convince those people in exile, that the Jerusalem leaders, that he's right. Right? They've already figured out they're wrong, and their world is being turned upside down because of that fact. Right? They know for sure now that they are not invincible because God's on their side. Right? And so now Jeremiah's task changes. It shifts from chastising them, from ripping into them, to helping make sense for themselves what ended up happening. 
why would God allow this to happen? Or for Jeremiah, why did God make this happen? Their questions have shifted. Now they're trying to wrestle with, are we ever going to be okay again? And I think that this passage has a decent amount to share with us in our current environment, does it not? Right? Because is this not what characterizes America at this point in our social political history, right? In our story. Everybody's freaking out about what they view to be these apocalyptic things happening in our culture, right? So for eight years, right, conservatives were freaking out about Obama. Now liberals are freaking out about Trump. And there's all the reports about the climate change that's happening. And there's the social strife. And there's uh, the division and all the polarity in the country. And is there not plenty of despair to go around right about now? Like, for example... All right. I know this is going to shock you guys. But I tend to run in politically liberal circles. I know. Hide your despair. Okay. Uh, so, like, I just remember the day after the presidential election, right? And so I'm not talking about the politics of it. Any, that's not what I'm talking about now. But within this particular community, there was this intense moment of despair and really probably the strongest that I've ever felt. And so, again, it's, right, even beyond just liberal circles, right? That's, that's not what we're talking about. This... This pervasive sense of despair is something that for so many groups is being amplified in this environment, in our social political climate. It's, it's all around us, this despair. Some of it's legitimate, some of it's overblown, some of it's just way off base, right? But in this moment of history, many of us have intimately seen despair, either in ourselves or in others around us. Now, granted, for those of us in America, the despair that we're experiencing is not exactly the despair of Jerusalem, right? We don't have an invading army about to kill us. For most of us in America, that is a very foreign experience. And so we do not, in general, know that magnitude of despair, but we still do have this palpable feeling in the air of despair, no matter what niche you put yourself in in society there's this despair and so what does this passage in Jeremiah addressing the situation that in some ways is similar some ways is different what might this passage have to say to our current situation this question this question is the reason why we celebrate Advent every year. We go through this ritual of Advent annually so that we can practice it, so that we can get it reinforced deep down in our bones, right? That this despair, this feeling of hopelessness, this darkness, this feeling that it's the end of the world, that it is not the end of the story. Sure, there are absolutely painful consequences to evils that we do individually and collectively. Like the entire rest of the book of Jeremiah wants to remind us of that. And that's definitely helpful to remember and needed to remember. But that's not all that Jeremiah says, is it? 
even in the midst of living through these tumultuous consequences of our actions, that devastation, that darkness is not the end of the story. And that's what we try and practice year after year after year, trying to finally get it through our thick skins so that we might actually feel it in the midst of the tumult that's going on, that we might actually feel it as true. And so during Advent, we are, of course, in this season of expectation and of waiting and of hoping and of trusting and Christmas is coming. That is, God is coming into the world to set things right. And God has not abandoned us. In fact, God has come to dwell with us on the earth, and the darkness will be conquered and made to lightness, overcome by the light. And in Advent, instead of our deep despair, God summons us forward to imagine a new way of being of engaging with the world, of understanding what's going on in the world, to envision how do we as faithful followers of God learn how to live in the midst of our society? How, and how do we bring life into a despairing world? So, this Advent season... May you see beyond the despair that so surrounds us in the world. Ways surging forward to the deep hope born out of the expectation of God's goodness. May it be so.